0: To Hockey Mountain High, your go to avalanche podcast, presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me, Arif Dean, here for some August 1st off season podcasting for you. Um, so you know, I always say, "Bless your heart" at the end of the show. If you made it this far, well, just just bless your heart just for being here, just for, care- for listening, just, just for, for listening, caring enough on August first to say, you know what? Let's see what the boys at Hockey Mountain High are doing. So, um, welcome to the show. We got a couple things to talk about. Obviously, the cadre situation, a Maltev signing, and then much like we did in the last podcast with the goalies, we're gonna kind of check in on each team in the Central Division and their off season moves so far, and just kind of gauge where we think they they land. So, Arif. First off, salutations, how are you doing? Um, on this August first. This we're winding down the days for off season, however, feels like we're right in the smack middle of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a strange summer with the avalanche playing through late June that we just went through an entire month of hockey being over. Granted, you know, there was a draft and UFA and all that, but July came and went really quickly and I still have two trips coming up. I got nine days in Detroit and then nine days in the Middle East coming up. And, 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 you know, the summer's winding down and I've got two big trips between now and training camp, which is only like six or seven weeks away. So my summer is just getting started. A lot of people are complaining that summer's winding down, but yeah, for me, it's smack dab in the middle of it. July was spent sleeping and now we're reawaking and and recovering from
0: the avalanches. Yeah. And with that, we're still waiting too right we're awake we're awakening and we're waiting for uh, Nazim Kadri to still make his decision I guess uh you know some heavy rumors being floated out around there much to I guess exactly what you were hypothesizing you know I'm sure you heard it at somewhere else or you know got it from another podcast and we just seminated disseminated definitely not inseminated definitely shared it
1: I'm I'm in I'm in off-season mode my brain's not working for big words right now
0: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, so I guess Nazem Kadri, where are we at? And uh, what, what your thoughts on what's going on? And do, you th- do you, h- how much weight do you put into this New York Islanders rumor?
1: Um, I don't know, man. That might be the team. I mean, there's been talk for the last four or five weeks. Well, not four or five weeks, but two, two and a half weeks that Kadri's waiting for a team to clear cap space. And is it the Avalanche? Is it the Islanders? You know, Elliot Friedman released a podcast on Friday and literally listed those two teams as the two teams that he thinks are Are going to be are going to end up being one of the two teams that signs him. Uh, He also mentioned he also mentioned that the Detroit Red Wings are kicking around, but again, like the Calgary Flames, like the Seattle Kraken, well, no longer Seattle, but like these other teams, Detroit has the cap space to make it work right now. So um, it doesn't look like any other team is really in the running right now, except for those two. Again, with Lou Lamorello, you never know because he likes to share things on his own watch. but I don't know. I, I can't really say. Until it's something that's set in stone and it's an official signing or someone has an official insider word on it, it's still hard to say either way. I still think, I know we talked about it a lot last time, but I don't think the Avalanche are going to stand pat. With their $4 million You know, last year when they had $4 million, they went out and signed Ryan Murray for two. So I don't expect them to use every last penny if they don't sign Kadri. But I do expect them to add one more signing. It's not going to be a defenseman this time around because they have plenty of those now. But it'll probably—hey, actually, no. It might be Jack Johnson for league minimum plus, you know, somebody else. But I do expect them to eventually add a forward. Um, That's just my hunch. Uh, But we'll see. Uh, The interesting thing about it being August 1st and nobody signing yet is it— You know, usually by August 1st, the big name UFAs are already signed. Granted, the UFA period started July 13th. So technically, August 13th will be a month after signing. But the biggest name, if this like kind of puts into perspective just what the flat cap has done with Kadri and Stastny and all these other guys, the biggest UFA to sign a month after the UFA period opens since the NHL lockout in 05-06 was Patrick Maroon signing with Tampa Bay in August after winning the Stanley Cup of St. Louis. So it just it never happened. I know it's August first. It's technically only seventeen or eighteen days since UFA period started. But if this drags another two weeks, is gonna be in uncharted territory as, you know, an NHL star.
0: I think, you know, looking at the Avalanche situation and whether or not they're gonna stay in pat I think I think, you know, and I said this, I joined the guys at Tell It As It Is yesterday and, you know, thanks to those guys for having me, but I brought up this point there where why why Make a decision so quickly, you know. I think you have time. I think you have some experiments you want to run within the lineup, right? The Miko Man- Mikko- Miko Miko Rantanen, perhaps at center experiment. Um, you know, maybe moving Alex Newhook up and down the lineup. See what you do with JT Confer. I think maybe you play around with that at training camp and the beginning of the season, and maybe. See what you could find on the waiver wire. See what you could trade for. See what maybe is still around after you know a, a week or two into the season. I, I don't know. That's just my theory because again, I just feel like there's a lot of still still to be de- still to be determined with this team.
1: Yeah, and you know it's not somebody that you have to sign right away. But between now and training camp, I mean. Let's face it, the avalanche are going to be in a position let's say Kadri was to sign with the Islanders, which again, is not confirmed, and I, it's just rumors and I'm not going to believe anything until it comes out from an official source, but let's just say Kadri does sign with the Islanders or elsewhere. The avalanche are going to go into training camp with a full roster. You know, they have enough forwards and enough defensemen to ice a full roster, and they got about four and a half to five million dollars in salary cap space. That's a good position to be in. Because like we saw a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago when the Columbus Blue Jackets had to trade a 28-goal, 58-point score or 29-goal, 58-point score in Oliver Bjorkstrand for a couple of mid-level picks, teams are going to need to cut salary cap. They're going to need to shed to get to the cap, uh, to get to the cap floor or to the cap ceiling because the, some of the teams are over it right now. And the Avalanche could actually be in a position to take advantage of teams that need to cut cap. So they don't need to go out and sign Sonny Milano or Jack Johnson and and Paul Stastny or whoever right now and put themselves up against the cap ceiling. Um, These players aren't signed on August 1st. They probably won't be signed on September 1st or September 15th. Some of them might go, but you'll still have options. So maybe the option for the Avalanche is to take a team that's desperate, needs to cut cap space and say, hey, you see how Carolina got max patch ready for free? Well, we'll take person X off of your team for free. So that flexibility... Uh, the 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 most uh, the best thing you can have in the NHL right now the best asset you can have is cap space and if Kadri goes elsewhere the Avalanche have a full roster and cap space yes they've taken a massive dip down in their second line center spot but they could fix that pretty easily so it'll be really interesting to see how Chris McFarland and Joe Sakic and the gang kind of uh, navigate this if Kadri goes elsewhere um, the biggest issue for me is that you know the NHL world most of it runs on Eastern Standard Time, you know, we run on Mountain Standard Time. Unfortunately for all of us, for Paul Stastny, for Rodriguez, for all these guys, Nazem Kadri runs on Middle
0: Eastern Standard Time, and it's just going to take him months to make this goddamn decision so we can move on. Um, Yeah, so I mean, I guess it doesn't sound like you want to fully explore Kadri in New York just yet, right? Until you hear something official, but, um, you know, I guess what do you think about the fit for him there? I mean, from a a professional standpoint, of course, dollar-dollar bills, he's got to go chase that money, and and we all commend him for it, but from a hockey standpoint, how do you like him being an, an Islander? He makes their team better, but it's very
1: meh. It's very average. Like, the Islanders, I know, they went on two very good runs during the two lockout seasons. Or not lockout seasons, but COVID seasons. I hate what frickin' Gary Bettman has done to our brains. Um, But he went on two very good runs in those two COVID years. And, you know, they had Barry Trotz, and they made it to the third round both times. But, like, this is an aging core, man. Like, Brock Nelson is... Brock Nelson's over 30 years old. J.G. Pajot is going to be 30 very soon. Kyle Palmieri's 31. Cal Clutterbuck's 34. Sezikis is 31. Uh, Matthew Barzell's, you know, he's one of the younger guys. Josh Bailey's going to be 33 when the season starts. Uh, They just, it's a, Zach Parisi's still on this team. It's a very old team, and it's got a lot of young guys kind of mixed in, Um They obviously have a good goaltender in Sorokin, and then Varley's their backup, so a pretty damn good team. But, you know, they have a first-year coach. It's a team that seems like if Kadri signs there for six or seven years, in about two or three years from now, they're going to be exploring a rebuild, and he's going to be stuck there like Seth Jones is in Chicago. Granted, he's part of the issue with their cap issues, but... It's just a very strange spot to go where he might go on one run and that one run might be like Minnesota when they got Parisi and Suter and, you know, made it to the second round once. And the one time they made it to the second round during all those years with Parisi and Suter was the year they beat the Avalanche in 2014. Like they always lost in the first round. So I just don't – I don't see them as that kind of team that's on – like if I was him, I'd rather sign in Detroit than the Islanders, you know. I don't know if Iserman's even offering him anything, um, but if the offers were the same, you take the Red Wings offer any day of the week. They have young defensemen. They got young forwards. They added Perron. They added all these other guys. The Islanders just seems like a very boring and bland place to go, but again, my July 12th prediction was the New York Islanders, and and I like to specify that it was my July 12th prediction and not my offseason prediction because... By July 12, the day before free agency opened, we already knew Andrew Kopp was going to Detroit. We already knew Trocheck was going to the Rangers. We knew a couple of these moving parts where all that left were, you know, the Avalanche, maybe the Islanders, maybe the Devils, maybe the Ducks, uh, who eventually signed Ryan Strom. That, you know, it made sense for the Islanders to be the team. They have the cap space. They lost out on Johnny Goudreau. Um, it wouldn't surprise me because that's been my prediction for 18, 19 days. It's just a very bland team to go to, and especially given the fact that they fired Barry Trotz. It's Lane Lambert now, giving his go as given a given it a go as a coach for the first time.
0: I guess I have two thoughts when it comes to the New York Islanders. The first of which being, if there there, there seems to be enough smoke around this report and nobody refuting it, right? I feel like if there was, it was a false report, or there wasn't you know, that much steam behind this concept, I think somebody would come out and say, I, I'm not hearing anything to go along with those rumors.
1: Can I, can I say something about that? No, not, <laughs> well, I'm going to, anyway, 95% of the insiders are at their cottage right now. Sure. Nobody's sure. working. But that's so, why. That's that's why it gets quiet around all these UFAs. By the way, think, it's not because things I think are happening.
0: Someone wakes up, though, right? I mean, you look at the Kirill Kaprasov story that Microsoft was hurt quickly to be like, "I'm going to investigate this, and I'll let you guys know if any of this is true." Of course, that started you know a few weeks. That back. was in,
1: that was in mid June.
0: Yeah, I know, but I still think that somebody wakes up enough to be like, "All right, let's let's find no, out."
1: No, I, I I disagree with that just because, and and I hate to like shoot this down, but I I disagree with that because. If you keep an eye on guys like Elliot Friedman, all these guys, like John Klingberg signed a deal with the Anaheim Ducks. It was reported by Kevin Weeks, who, you know, he's not an insider that refutes things, but he's slowly starting to gain traction as an insider that can break news, where he reports the Klingberg thing. And then and a local Ducks beat writer reports and, and confirms that it's a one-year $7 million contract. And then, like four hours later, Elliot Friedman comes out and tweets Klingberg to the Ducks is a one-year, seven million dollar deal. The dude didn't scroll Twitter. He didn't check. He didn't realize that seventeen thousand people already knew this. Everybody was already confirming it. He probably was like halfway through his, you know, second cup of wine or something. It was like, oh yeah, Klingberg. So like, just nobody's working right now.
0: I don't know. Probably somebody. Probably because somebody texted him, right? So you'd think he might get a text regarding this because it's really what the whole league's kind of keeping an eye on it feels like it's a big deal I mean maybe for a smaller time guy I I see what you're saying but I'm also not you know completely poo-pooing what you're saying I think there's some validity to it as well the second point I was going to bring up it, it I think of Semyon Varlamov right I think when he went to the Islanders it wasn't so much to join the Islanders as much as it was to live in New York right and and I think there might be a little piece of that in Nazim Kadri, right? He's from Toronto, which is very much a, a New York esque, the New York of, of Canada, if you will. He's from London, but yeah, he's played in Toronto. Well, there you go. Um, so I think, you know, I think there's some appeal for a guy like Qadri to go live in a big city like that. I know he loved it here and, and he liked kind of the anonymity of living here a little bit, but I think you get that same thing in New York, and I think he's excited to live in a big city like that. But those are just me. Throwing theories out there and, and just trying to think of it in his shoes.
1: Yeah, but also if that was the case, I don't know. I feel like if Kadri was so open to New York, he would he would have given Chris Drury a reason to sign him on the day that free agency opened before signing Trocheck to seven-year deal. The reason why the Rangers ended up going with Vinny Trocek is because Kadri was very open with GMs about the fact that he's going to go through a courting process and listen to all offers where the Rangers just didn't want to put themselves in a situation where they, w- they were going to be left without a seat at the table. They had to go out and collect their centermen before there were no centermen left. It's the same thing that the Red Wings did with Andrew Kopp. The Avalanche, it's a little bit different. You know, they're they're okay with the fallback option of, like you said, exploring Comfort and Newhook and all these other options where – you know, someone like Detroit, someone like the Rangers who were losing Ryan Stroman already needed to upgrade their second-line center position. They weren't comfortable in a situation where they end up without Trochuk, without, you know, Kopp, who they let go, without Kadri, and then suddenly they're the ones exploring the bargain bin of, like, Rodriguez and Stastny. They're not in a position to do that. They needed a big name. So, like... If New York was the thing, the Rangers were right freaking there, man. Like this is a team that made it to the third round. It would have been so easy to sign with them. They're an exciting, fun team and he would have fit in so well there.
0: All right, well, then give me your percentages. Where do you think he lands? Because it doesn't seem like you're putting much stock into the Islanders being his final destination. I'm
1: playing devil's advocate. You tell me the Avalanche, I'll give you 25 reasons why he's not coming back. You tell me the Islanders, I'll give you 30 reasons why he's not going there. You give me any team, I'll do that. But ultimately, look, this is the way it's going to end up going. If he he re-signs with the Avalanche, it's going to be at a contract where we're going to look and be like, hmm, that's a very deserving contract. No one's going to think it's an overpay. No one going to think is going to think Kadri got slighted by McFarland and the Avs. It's going to make sense. If he signs with the Islanders, we're going to say, "Ooh boy, that's not going to be a good contract in 2 years." That's what's going to happen. So if Kadri is looking, so that that's the way that I see it. He's not going to sign with the Islanders for you know, four years at six and a half million. He might sign that kind of a very friendly, very deserving deal with the Avalanche. That's the way to put it. And I know it's a very silly thing to say, but it's going to be a situation where he's either going to get the big money from the Islanders or he's going to get a very decentish contract from the Avalanche. There's going to be no overpay from the Avalanche. There's going to be no bargain from the Islanders.
0: And I mean, after everything we've discussed the last several months and how he needs to chase the money and likely will, I mean, I feel like you can lean towards him taking that Islanders contract based off what you just said.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then that's the way that I put it, or that's the way that I I think it'll go. But if the Islanders want to give him this big money deal, just do it. I know they got a clear cap space, but you can go over the cap by 10% in the summer. And I understand, you know, maybe Lamorello doesn't want to go over the cap yet. He doesn't want to show his hand to other teams that he's desperate to cut cap space. But newsflash, the other GMs all have phones. They all have Twitter. They all know what's going on too. If... Lou Lamorello is kind of tiptoeing around the bushes like, hey, do you want to take Cal Clutterbuck off my hands? Other GMs are not stupid. They're going to be like, oh, you're trying to cut cap space for Nazem Kadri." All right. Well, we're going to go out there and rip you off. Mm-hmm. So sign the damn guy to a deal and just put an end to this. If that's what it is, if it's truly that, if there is a seven and a half, eight and a half million dollar deal on the table from the Islanders, just sign the damn thing. And let us move on.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think that's enough time spent on Kadri again. Um, every every week. Every week for like 15 minutes. we got to yeah, do it. Yeah, until he signs somewhere. Um, so I guess that brings us to the Mikhail Maltev news. He's the most recent person to sign, or I guess just the most recent news whatsoever in avalanche land. Um, I guess, as usual, how do you like the term? How do you like the contract? And how do you like Mikhail Maltev giving it another go in an avalanche sweater? Do you think he cracks the lineup a little bit more than he did this year?
1: So here's the thing. If you remember last year when the Avalanche traded Graves for him and a second rounder, the idea was Maltsev was going to be the fourth-line center. And that didn't end up working out. He didn't end up having that good of a year. But what I will say is when we were talking last week about like Martin Cow and Sampo Ranta getting opportunities, well, Maltsev's another guy. This guy should and will get an opportunity to crack the lineup. Um, was he given a fair shake last year? Yeah, but the Avalanche were just such a— Good team at such a well-oiled machine last year that it's like, hey, we love you, but we can't sit here and wait for you to develop. The reason why Newhook played is because Newhook had already taken that step. The reason why Sampo Ranta didn't play, who was kind of on par with Newhook in 2020 or 2021, was because Ranta didn't take that next step. So it was kind of the same idea with Maltsev. Uh, I don't by any means put him in the same category as someone like Martin Kaut that has gotten multiple opportunities. And I think he will get another chance with the Avs. 800 k it's a two-way deal. Uh, he makes less money in the AHL. It's another guy that's got to come to camp, have a hell of a camp, and, and try to crack the lineup, you know? Abe Kubel came in and played, you know, however many games he played. There's no reason why Maltsev can't take that next step and do the same.
0: Yeah, you just got to show your X factors, right? There's so many centers on this team that you can't just simply come out and play center and pro- prove your worth. You got to sh- probably show some talent on the penalty kill if you're going to be in the in the depth role and, you know, effort, effort, effort. And so we'll see what he brings to training camp, and I guess see how opening night lineup shakes out. But you know, every single year there's a guy that they throw in there just to give a, a shot to, right? Just to give him a chance on opening night and see how they they uh, perform. I think maybe Mikhail Maltev might be that guy this year.
1: Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. I think I think he's he's someone that deserves to have an opportunity. And for the love of God, let's get another Russian in here for Nechushkin, man. Ever since he lost Zadorov and 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 uh, while well, Varley was gone before he signed or. Yeah, he was gone before he signed. But, like, Vladislav Kamenev was nothing more than a 13th, 14th forward and moved on. Artem Anisimov came in on a PTO, and that was an epic fail. Let's get a damn Russian in here that can hang out with Val. He's going to be here for eight years. Let's get Maltsav in the lineup.
0: Well, you know, if Mikko Rantanen has anything to say about it, that's not going to happen. It's only Finnish players from here on out, right? He yep. said he told Joe, hey, he needs to sign more Finnish players. Gets Arturi trade, Lekanen, the and then more. it works.
1: You yeah. know, f- f- funny note about Lekanen, totally off off the radar, but... I noticed that, and this is something that I don't know if this has ever happened in NHL history, and I don't have the brain capacity to go out and research it, but every, <laughs> every single guy that scored a game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup final for the Avalanche, Berkey, Nichushkin, Kadri, and Lekinen, were all up for new contracts. Every single one. And and three of them, Nichushkin, Lekinen, and Burakovsky, have already gotten new deals. Kadri hasn't. And I don't know if I've ever seen that, to see four guys on expiring deals like the avalanche had to win that damn cup all the guys that were contributing were on expiring deals one way or another rfas ufas you name it just a fun little note i realized
0: yeah that is fun that is fun you know what else is fun erif betting betting on (laughs) sports And uh, summer is here, and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And while we're at it, you know it's the off-season podcast, so we mash these two together. Let's talk about our friends over at Total Beverage because everybody already knows Total Beverage in both Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know that They deliver. Did you know that they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Um, I don't know. For some reason, uh, in my head, when you have a delivery driver, right, I don't know if you do much uh, like... um, uber eats or postmates or any of those things but oftentimes you get your food delivered and it's this guy in a in a honda civic that's about to break down well that's not what total beverage has total beverage has their own cool little car it's got the total beverage decals and logos and it's got plenty of uh space to make multiple deliveries so you know you don't have to be weirded out by the guy in the, in the broken down honda Damn, civic
1: i feel attacked that was me when i used to drive uber in, in, in detroit <laughs> trying to make it a you know how there's always the the uber driver that Actually, no, it's not the Uber driver. I didn't like to talk, but there's always the people that come in and you got to make the small talk. Like, how long have you been doing Uber? What are you... <laughs> I was always the guy in the front row like, man, one day I'm going to be a big-time sports reporter and the guy sitting in the back like, this guy's way over his fucking head. Just take me to my place and drop me one off. Star. Yeah. One star. One star. Shut up about your big dream, dude. <laughs> You're beat-up Honda.
0: Um, I had, I guess while we're at it, it is off-season anyway. Um, <laughs> I had literally... like you if if you had some hilarious writers for tv shows and sitcoms sit down and think of some nightmare scenarios of being in an uber i feel like my scenario right here is exactly what they would think of i'm in california this guy's taking me to a restaurant to meet a friend and on the way we start talking about like conspiracies right I'm I'm big into aliens so I guess that's kind of where the conversation really kicked off and then he started getting into these other conspiracies that I couldn't follow and showed me his band right <laughs> how terrible of a, of a conversation <laughs> hey check out this song I made from me and my band and you're like all right dude whatever let's let's check it out and of course it was like screaming heavy metal he's the singer just saying reptilians and i'm like in the back seat like yeah this is this is good stuff man. Yeah, great how do you how do you you not have a record deal
1: yeah i I can't get into an uber without carrying my little bitch buds with me because as soon as the guy starts talking i'm like oh yeah one and i just put them in and turn up a fake fake phone conversation yeah yeah, i'll I'll do that (laughs) or i'll just like Bob my head like I'm listening to something, and it's Elliot Friedman <laughs> and Jeff Merrick. As I bob my head, as if I'm listening to like Linkin Park or something.
0: Um. All right. Let's let's uh let's move get back on along here. here. Get back on track and get into the Central Division. Of course, it's going to be fun now. It's Arizona, the newest member of the Central Division, so we're going to start with them as we get into their additions, their subtractions, and if they've gotten better or not. So Arizona, Arif, for free agents that they've brought in. They've got Nick Bukestad, Josh Brown, Troy Stetcher, Laurent Dauphin, and Jean Gillies. They've lost Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson, Alex Galchenyuk, Phil Kessel, Anton Roussel, Anton Strauman, and then they've brought in Patrick Nemeth via trade as well as Zach Cassian. So the Arizona Coyotes, have they gotten better? Have they've gotten worse or have they just stayed the same? This is
1: about as inconsequential a team as there is in the in the Central Division. They they brought in Zach Cassian and Patrick Nemeth by acquiring two bad contracts and gaining assets for doing so. Um, a fun fact about Zach Cassian: last Edmonton Oilers goal of the season, who scored it? He did and they just kicked him out the door because they needed the cap space to bring in guys like Jack Campbell, uh, which, by the way, if you remember, was the uh, the game-tying goal before the Lekkonen uh, overtime winner was was Zach Cassian scoring with like two minutes left in that crazy-ass 6-5 game. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is a team that— doesn't have an arena. They're playing at a college campus. They're playing, I think, 22 of their first 26 games on the road or some crazy shit. No Friday night or Saturday night home games until after the college hockey season ends. Uh, just a mess of a franchise right now that needs these next three or four years to go by and quick. And, um, you know, the guys that they lost, Roussel and Erickson and Beagle, those were all the cap dumps that they took in the ekman Larson trade with the Canucks. But... Um, you know, Kessel wasn't gonna come back there. It's this team is inconsequential. They're they're gonna be at the bottom of the central likely again, uh, battling with another team that we're gonna talk about here shortly, but they're they're irrelevant. Better or worse, I don't think much has changed. They're laterally continuing on their trend of being another lottery team.
0: Yeah, I mean, and with Zach Cassian, you know, Jay Woodcroft really seemed to dislike him. I mean, we saw how he was getting i don't know i think it was like five to eight minutes a game there towards the end of the playoffs yeah. um until i forgot who got hurt but he stepped into that role um and then you know Louis erickson was a guy that used to be good one day right back when he was playing with the Sedines and in vancouver I-, I liked what he used to bring to the table alex galchenyuk back in his
1: dallas stars days
0: alex galchenyuk was a guy i definitely had higher hopes for um and you know jumping around with as many teams as he's been jumping around for i think it's clear to say that he's not going to pan out to quite be the nhler so i guess i can see you cutting those names but the names they brought in weren't necessarily upgrades whatsoever so i'm with you on that they're keeping it keeping the direction they've been going if you have an if
1: you want to have an idea of how far galchi has kind of dropped as the player that he once was um, and these aren't, like, rumors from insiders. These were just, like, bullshit thrown at the wall by Twitter rumors. But people used to always want to talk about the Avalanche trading for Galchenyuk. And at that one year that the Avs had brought in Neil Yakupov, it's like, hey, let's bring in his line mate from Junior, from the Sarnia Sting days. And it was like, well, can the Avs get Galchi from Montreal or whatever team he was—yeah, Montreal at the time. Could they get him for Matt Duchesne and then— there was all these rumors that, like, no, if the if the Montreal Canadiens want to trade Galchenyuk, they want Nathan McKinnon. They don't want Matt Duchesne. and it's just like, all right. <laughs> I mean, even for Matt Duchesne, it sounds silly, but
0: no, you 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 saying that throws me back to oh, I remember thinking that Montreal was the front runners for yeah. Matt Duchesne for a second, yeah.
1: And and the funny thing is, like, this was, you know, the, the Duchesne trade. Uh, the days after the Duchesne trade is when McKinnon. You know, exploded from a 50, 60 point guy to a 100 point guy or a 90 point guy, like literally overnight, the snap of a finger. Uh, In the 10 games that Duchesne was part of the Avalanche to start the 17, 18 season, McKinnon had one goal, four assists. And then he ended the year with 97 points in, I want to say, 74 games or something. So, and ever since then, he hasn't turned back. So, like, this is before McKinnon took off. He was still like that that hot commodity that was a first overall pick five years prior that everybody was waiting for him to explode and, and he hadn't and everybody was like yeah Montreal doesn't want Duchesne they want this guy for Galchenyuk and you know even Duchesne this past year scored 40 goals and Galchi's on his God knows how many teams since
0: indeed indeed so that brings us to Chicago we know the dumpster fire that they're kind of turning themselves Ooh, into yes. self-inflicted too um, so I guess with free agents that they've brought in Max Domi and Andreas Ethan Asiu, Colin Blackwell, Alex Stalock, and old friend Dylan Sakura. Guys, they've shipped out Calvin DeHaan, Eric Gustafson, and Kevin Lankinen. They've traded for Peter Mrazek, Mr. Azek, mm-hmm. traded um, Kirby Dock and Alex to bring it. So, I mean, they did bring in some good names, but. Um, I guess they're I know you, a, have a, you, you have a you have a theory a of what they're doing team. with those names. Yeah.
1: yeah, they're they sign, you know, Athena, CU and Max Domi. 3 million dollar deals. These are guys that we're not going to get 3 million dollars anywhere else. Colin Blackwell, good depth piece. These are the guys that are going to flip at the deadline. You sign guys that, you know, it's like the Red Wings signing Nemesnikov and then trading him to the Dallas Stars, you know, they're uh, bad teams that sign decent players that you can trade at the deadline. Uh, San Jose did it last year with Andrew Cogliano, and they got a mid-level pick for him. Uh, these are guys that could fetch you a little bit more than that. If Domi actually, which he might because he's going to play a lot, but if Domi can actually have 45 to 55 points by the trade deadline, you can get something for him. Same with Andreas Athanasiou. So um, that's what they're doing there, trading Kirby Doc, trading Alex Debrinkit. We know what they're doing. They're tanking. they're tanking this team right down to, like, like they're they're starting over completely you know after what happened last year after all not just the on ice product but the off ice stuff that happened last year they are trying to gut this thing to the core and um they're just waiting for taves and and kane to come to them and say trade us too because they want to move on from them as well um peter mazarek as gary Bettman called him Uh, That was a cap dump by the Maple Leafs where Chicago took him on by moving up eight spots or nine spots in the draft or 13 or whatever it was. But um, this is going to be a bad team. And if there's anybody that's going to challenge the Arizona Coyotes for the last spot in the Central, it's going to be the Blackhawks. We'll rank these guys one through eight. We'll do our prediction like we did last year right around training camp. But right now, it's really easy to say Arizona and Chicago are going to be the two worst teams in the Central.
0: So with guys like Kirby Doc and Alex Dabrinkit, do you think their careers continue on the upward trajectory or or do you think um, we, we might not see them at the same level as we saw them in Chicago?
1: Brinkett's going to thrive. That top six in Ottawa now is going to be incredible because they're going to have their Batherson Norris, and uh, what's his face, Brady Kachuk line, which was awesome last year. But now suddenly their second line, they're going to have Timmy Stutzla playing with Alex Dabrinkit and Claude Giroux that team's going to be good. So Dabrinkit, I think he's going to score 40 goals again. He'll do it again. Kirby Dock's an interesting case because this is a guy that had a good year in the bubble in 2020. And then if you remember the 2021 World Juniors when Canada lost a gold medal when Bowen Byram was on that team, Kirby Dock was the co-captain with Bo Byram and gets injured in the preliminary round, misses most of the 2021 season with the Blackhawks, comes back for the 21-22 season, Doesn't do that well either, and then they ship him out for, you know, a draft pick. So Montreal's kind of taken a flyer on this kid who was drafted, again, third overall just a couple years ago, just a few years ago. He was drafted one spot before Bo Byram. So Kirby, you know, like Galchenyuk, was a kid that was drafted third overall that has a lot of promise that it's kind of fallen off. Uh, he's going to get a lot more opportunity with the Canadians, and we'll see what he does with it. It's hard to say at this point if he's going to be an NHL regular and a good player or if he's just going to fizzle out like Galchenyuk and other guys. Um, so we'll see. He wasn't really having that great of a time in Chicago the last couple of years. But to it, yeah, man, I, I would 100% you know, say he's going to score 40 goals again.
0: Uh, let's keep moving on in alphabetical order, which brings us to the Colorado Avalanche. Free agents in Brad Hunt, Charles hudden jonas Johansson, (laughs) hudon not the biggest names uh free agents out andre burakovsky jordan gross darcy kemper kiefer kiefer shearwood dylan sakura who we just mentioned Nico sturm obey kubel and very likely nazim kadri
1: yep so the ads got worse and obviously they traded for alexander georgiev they didn't lose anybody in the trades and they re-signed a ton of guys um this Avalanche offseason, the gauge for how good or bad the offseason would be was going to be determined by how many guys can they re-sign. Uh, I think Cogliano was a surprise because we thought he would retire. I think Darren Helm was a surprise because we thought he would retire. I think Josh Manson was a surprise because I've been talking about this since March that that dude had trade deadline rental written all over him. Uh, Nichushkin was not a surprise, but they got the work done there. Uh, in as an RFA, not a surprise. Uh, losing Kemper was going to go, wanted, you know, was going to be a 50 50 shot, but once they traded for Georgiev, the writing was on the wall. Losing Burakovsky, that was as close to a sure thing as a sure thing could be. And then Nazim Kadri is another one of those 50 50s that right now is looking like it could still go either way. I don't know. We, we already talked about it for 20 minutes, but, um, the guys that they brought in, you know, they're they're replacing the Dylan Sakura's and the Roland McCowans and the Jordan Grosses with these with these signings, the Brad Hunts and, and, and Jonas Johansson's and all that. Uh Hunter Misko also moved on. I forgot to mention him. So uh, you know, not much going on there. I still think there's gonna be one guy that the Avalanche bring in. It's either the Nazem Kadri re-signing, or like I said, there's gonna be some. Other forwards available via trade or UFA that they'll bring in probably sometime in late August, early September, right before training camp. Uh, so we'll see. But I don't by any means think the Avalanche's offseason is done. Um, are they better than they were last year? No, of course not. They lost Barakovsky. They lost a more proven goalie in Kemper for a goalie that's more of a mystery boxing, Georgiev. Uh, they might lose their second-line center, Nazem Kadri, who was a crucial piece of their regular season and playoff success. Um but are they still a kick-ass team that could win another cup? Yes, absolutely. And, and and I don't know who in this division could could really match up to them, and I guess we'll go through the other teams to see if there's anybody there.
0: What I notice is all of these names are forwards, right? We always talk about the importance of this defensive group, and they're essentially bringing back the exact same defensive group. I mean, forwards, I don't want to say they are a dime a dozen, but they're way easier to yeah. replace than a good defense a good group. Def- Defensive group even. So um, yeah, I'm with you. They take a little bit of a step back, but I think there are certainly names they can plug and play, experiment with. I mean, you got 82 games of a regular season before you really got to get serious and and know who you're moving forward with. So um, yeah, I I think uh, it is what it is and, and it'll be easily patched up.
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, last year at this time, the Avalanche were signing Ryan Murray to a one-year $2 million deal to replace Ryan Graves, and they were given a PTO to Jack Johnson that ended up turning into a successful contract and a cup. And this year their defense is is pretty damn set in stone, except for the fact that I still think there is a chance Jack Johnson returns on another cheap deal. But, you know, the defense that they have, I think I I do want to mention that, you know, when talking about the Islanders and Avalanche thing, Elliot Friedman did mention the other day that he doesn't think the Avalanche are interested in moving Gerard right now. The key word is right right now because things will eventually change when Byram's up for a new deal and Devon Taves is up for a new deal. Um, I personally don't know how the Avalanche keep Devon Taves in a couple years, but that's a story for a couple years from now. Uh, in regards to Bo and Byram, that's the most most – interesting one is is you got to see if this kid has it you know and can be healthy for a full year before you trade someone like gerard who's a pretty damn good player so yeah the biggest thing is the avalanche are going into this year with Kale mccarr and devon taves they're going into this year with josh manson and sam gerard they got bowen byram and eric johnson and that's their top six so their goalie is who it is and they got pavel who's who they're more familiar with their core forwards have all remained outside of Nazem Kadri, uh, and that's no disrespect to Burakovsky, but you know a scoring winger is probably the easiest thing to replace among your more crucial forwards. So, you know, are they better than they were last year? Maybe because the reality is Newhook could become a better player, and so could Byram, and so could these other guys. Where it's you know you can't really measure who's in and out. You have to measure how good the players are this year compared to last year. But the Avalanche are still going to be a kick-ass team.
0: Yeah, I mean, see Logan O'Connor, right? He probably is the the guy that comes to mind as taking the biggest step last off season, from season to season. Just who he was at the end of the the prior season and who he became at the beginning of the next one. So I think there's definitely room for other guys to make that same leap. Guys that you just rattled off, like yeah. the new hooks. There were there was the a world. few of
1: them. You know, Val Natchushkin took off like crazy and I, I expect I don't think Val Nachushkin season was a flash in the pan I think that's who he's going to be moving forward he's going to be a guy that over 82 games will give you 30 goals and 30 assists Devon Taves was another one that was damn near the top of the NHL point scoring among defensemen and and those are two guys Taves and natrushkin that when they were in the lineup the Avalanche won like 85 percent of their games and when they were out they were a 500 team so those are two guys that come to mind. Logan O'Connor, and I love the fact that I think it was like a week before the regular season started, Sackett gave Logan O'Connor a three-year deal at $1.05 million per year. That deal starts now. So no matter how good Logan O'Connor makes, he's making a million for the next three years.
0: Yep, fantastic. So we'll see who steps up and who, I guess, fills out their clothes a little bit better, right? Uh, moving on, let's get to Dallas. Free agents in Mason Marchant, Colin Miller, and old friend Will Butcher agents out alexander radulov he should be heading back to the khl michael raffle and andre Sekera, as well as vladen mestikov um trades of course they got rid of ben bishop's contract sent it to buffalo and they signed scott wedgwood and still waiting on jake ottinger and robertson yeah
1: jason robertson and jake ottinger are Easily the two biggest RFAs still remaining out there, two exceptional talents, probably the two best players on this team, along with, you know, Miro Heiskanen to round out their core. Um, Mason Marchment's an interesting one because this is a guy that put up 50-something points with the Florida Panthers but was making a not much, you know, he wasn't making a lot of money. Now he's signed to a four-year deal at $4.5 and not to put him on the spot, but it's kind of reminiscent of like Billy Leno when he signed that ridiculous deal, I think, with the... I want to say the Flyers. No, he was with the Flyers, and then he signed with Buffalo, I think it was, where at less than a million as a bargain basement money contract, putting up points, you're playing with house money, but now that you're making real money, four and a half million for four years, that's not an easy contract to move if he doesn't do well. Uh, there's suddenly going to be expectations around this kid, and we'll see how he does, and... I feel really bad for him because this season, if you know, he just suddenly lost his dad, Brian Marchmont, the former Av that you know passed away right before the draft in Montreal. Um, so that's might you know have a little bit of a effect on how he plays. But, uh, the Dallas Stars, the biggest name for me that they brought in is none of these names, it's their head coach in Pete DeBoer, um, getting rid of Rick Bonus and bringing in DeBoer. So, they kind of strike me as this a similar kind of team to what they were last year, where um, they'll probably make the playoffs. They'll have flashes of brilliance throughout the season. They won't be much of a threat when they get there. Um, we'll see where they end. I know they finished off as a wild card team and they just barely beat out the Nashville Predators for that uh, first wild card spot to avoid playing the Avalanche. But I could see them. Squeaking into the top three ahead of one of Minnesota or St. Louis. I don't know which one, but Jake Ottinger and Jason Robertson are going to have a big, big, big part of that, especially Ottinger. And getting those guys signed is is the biggest part of their offseason right now.
0: Yeah. And I like the, you use the words uh, f- flashes of brilliance, right? Because that's exactly how I would describe Jake Ottinger's game. There are times where he looks like an unreal goalie and times where you're like, meh, that's, he's whatever. So interested to see how the Jake Ottinger, Scott Wedgwood duo pans out for him because i think much like the avs there's a little bit of question marks around both those guys
1: yeah and they went into last year with the possibility of ben bishop being their starter returning from injury they brought in Braden holtby to play games they had anton Hudobin who wanted to play games and they had this young kid and jake ottinger there's no questions now he's the starter scott wedgwood's your backup let's see what he does under that pressure
0: yep Moving on to Minnesota, free agents in, Nick Patan, Andre Schuster. Free agents out, Jordy Ben, Nick Bukestad, and Nick DeLaurier. They did trade out Kevin Fiala, and of course they re-signed Marc-Andre Fleury. So Minnesota Wild, did they get better? Did they get worse? Did they stay stagnant?
1: They got worse, and um, this is year one of two years in a row where Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter's buyouts are going to cost a combined 14 or $15 million against their cap. So they are, and that's why they lost Kevin Fiala. Um, I still don't understand how they couldn't trade Ryan Suter. I I don't get it. Um, But, yeah, they, I don't know. They're they're not as good as they were last year. I also think they're putting a lot of hope in Marc-Andre Fleury, which you and I have talked about, where, like, outside of the first year in Vegas, Fleury has never had – hasn't had many great seasons over the last decade where he is the clear-cut number one goalie. In Vegas, his backups were guys like Malcolm Subban and Oscar Dansk and and, uh, that Ferguson kid because everybody kept getting injured. Uh, Legacy played a few games. But every other year, he's had a backup that could play 30 games. You know, even when he got acquired by the Minnesota Wild, it was with Cam Talbot there. And the only reason why Cam Talbot's not there is because he's pissed off that Marc-Andre Fleury is there. And they traded him for Philip Gustafson, who's not a guy that you could rely on. This isn't Pavel Francouz, This isn't Robin Leonard. This isn't Ryan Murray or any of these guys, you know, that, that you could rely on that he's had in the past or someone like what the Avalanche have with Frankie, you know, to kind of... If if Georgiev doesn't go off to a good start, you have a guy you can trust. So they're putting a lot of trust in that Marc-Andre Fleury well this season. Um, and I think the whole Cam Talbot thing kind of backfired on their face. But they also have Kirill Kaprizov, who was on my heart Trophy ballot. And losing Kevin Fiala sucks. I don't, I don't know. It could go one of two ways. They they could legitimately be. And I was, I'm not going to lie. I think the Minnesota Wild would have given the Avalanche the, the most issues among the Western Conference teams last year, more than the St. Louis Blues. And they're lucky that the Blues beat them. But... Minnesota could be the second best team in the division, and it wouldn't surprise me. Minnesota could drop down below both Dallas and Nashville, who we're about to talk about, and it also wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on all of that. I think they, they really built their team around hard work and just a kind of a, a physical mentality, right? And I don't know if they're going to be able to Lose guys like Jordy Ben and Nick Delorier and still maintain that mindset. Even though Delorier was was kind of a late addition, I still think he was he was impactful in the yeah. way they played and kind of the the energy that they brought to the playoffs. Because there was a while there where you're like, all right, maybe Minnesota can take this series, but um, St. Louis ended up prevailing. But I I think they Minnesota proved me wrong in the in the sense that I didn't think that they even belonged in the playoffs. So um, yeah, I, I think it, it's gonna go one of two ways, and I I, I feel in my gut that it's going to go poorly for them this year. And we're going to watch Marc-Andre Fleury rot the rest of his season away in Minnesota.
1: Um, yeah, I, I do. I will say that Matt Boldy becoming a regular there is going to be huge for them. And so is Marco Rossi. Those are two kids that you really want to keep an eye on. Uh, Ryan Hartman had a hell of a season. Let's see if he can do it again. The one that I'm the most interested in um, for obvious reasons, well, not interested, we'll say intrigued. Intrigue's the better word is when given the opportunity to play a lot of minutes, what are you going to get from Tyson Jost? And I'm really intrigued to see what happens there.
0: Moving on to the Nashville Predators, free agents in. We've got Gross slash Shearwood slash McCown.
1: They, they went shopping in the bargain bin of the Colorado Eagles, and that's why I put all three of those guys <laughs> together. They said, who who played for the Avalanches AHL team? Let's just sign them all.
0: Uh, with that, they also have gotten Kevin Lankinen and Nino Niederreiter. Um, Free agents that they've gotten rid of, David Riddick, Rocco Grimaldi, and Matt Benning. Um, Guys that they acquired through trade, Ryan McDonough, of course. We remember that big Tampa Bay trade. And then notable RFAs, Yakov Trenin. So, Nashville, do they continue the progress? They definitely seem like a team that's on the up and up. So... All right. First question about the National
1: Predators. Are you going to get another 43 goals out of Matt Duchesne? Uh, Doubtful. Okay. (laughs) So that's going to be tough uh, because Matt Duchesne was a big part of what they did last year. Uh, Next question out of the Predators. Are you going to get almost 100 points out of Roman Yossi again?
0: Also doubtful? I don't know. I mean, he is getting up there in age. Yeah. Uh, Damn, Philip Forsberg only played 69
1: games last year. Nice. that's (laughs) incredible that's incredible because so here's the thing a lot of players on this team what i'm trying to get at is overachieved roman yosi i hate to say he overachieved but the reality is roman yosi is a fucking all-star defenseman that gives you 75 points a year the dude put up 96 we haven't seen that in the nhl since 1996 so that right there alone was an overachievement matt duchene 43 goals 43 assists He's never done that even when he was an excellent player, and now he's kind of tailed off. Philip Forsberg, which is crazy in only 69 games, he had 42 goals and 42 assists. Let's see if he can do that again. Michael Grandlin, Mikel Grandlin put up 64 points in 80 games. Ryan Johansson put up 63 points in 79 games. We haven't seen that from him in forever. Um, You know, so a lot of guys kind of played a little bit over their heads a little bit, and We'll see if they can do it again. Uh, Tanner Janot was a good rookie. I'm sure they're looking for him to take the next step. Alexander Carrier on the blue line was a good rookie. They're looking for him to take the next step. Yakov, Trenin, 17 goals, and scored some pretty damn big goals against the Avalanche, the only ones that were notable in their four-game sweep uh, when they lost to the Avs. So we'll see what happens there. Bringing in Nino Niederreiter is a good piece. Bringing in Ryan McDonough is a good piece. Um, They're going to be a good team. Will they be better than last year? Will be contingent on you know the play of Yossi and Duchesne and, and those top guys? Like You can look at the Avalanche's roster and say, yeah, I can see Makar putting up 80 points again. I could see McKinnon putting up 90 to 100 and Rantanen putting up 90 to 100. If Kadri re-signs, that's the one that I would question. Can he do that again? But on Nashville, it looks like everybody kind of had that Kadri season where it's like, You know, With the Avs, you might be like, can Kadri do that again? With the Preds, there's like five guys. You're like, can any of these guys do that again? So uh, we'll see. The thing with the Preds is they have a really good goalie in UC Saros, uh, who I think is the best in the division after our debate last week. And I think this is a team that could take the next step and be better than the Minnesota Wild if those guys play well again, but could also... Remain in that wild card positioning, which is about where I expect them to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking back at the end of the regular season, right, it was basically a race between Nashville, Winnipeg, and Vancouver. Nashville ended up edging out the other teams, but barely. It wasn't until very late in the season. So um, they're just on the fringe there. Let's see which direction they end up leaning, if it's in or out of the playoffs. Step forward or step backwards Which brings yeah. us to
1: Really quick I think the, the biggest loss there is, is Big Dave save That's a tough one
0: Big Dave save Big Dave save St. <laughs> uh, Louis Blues Free agents in Tomas Grice Martin Frick uh, U- <laughs> UFA's out Charlie Lindgren David Perron McKenzie mckirchen McEachern Sorry McEchrin. Who the hell's that guy?
1: He's he's a depth piece <laughs>
0: And then and then trade out, they traded Ville Husso and then notable re-signings, Nick Letty.
1: Yeah, so this is an interesting team because they lost David Perron for nothing. They lost a good depth goalie in Charlie Lindgren, as well as Ville Husso and replaced them both with Thomas Grice to play backup behind a guy that hasn't had a good regular season. And I want to pinpoint regular season because he was good in the playoffs— and Jordan Binnington in quite a while. So kind of like the Minnesota Wild with Marc-Andre Fleury, um, if Bennington doesn't have a good season again, and again, you need to have a good regular season to get you to the playoffs. I understand bennington has been good in the playoffs, but like, if he can't get there, what good does it take? Like, What good does it do for you? So if he has another bad regular season, there's no Vili Huso to rely on, and I don't think Thomas Grice is going to get you there. Um, the Nick Letty thing was a little interesting because this was a trade deadline acquisition that they brought in from the Red Wings that seemed like like Josh Manson it seemed like a deadline rental and he fit in really well so they re-signed him but re-signing him caused them to lose David Perron and around these parts not a lot of people like David Perron because he threw an elbow at Nazem Kadri and tried to chicken wing him after he scored a goal But the dude had nine goals and 13 points in 13 playoff games. He was everything for them. He was a point per game in the 2021 season. He was nearly a point per game this past season. St. Louis Blues beat reporter Jeremy Rutherford at The Athletic released an article with David Perron today talking about how upset he was that the Blues didn't even offer him a contract. Just a very strange loss for them. Um, Like many other teams in this division, or pretty much every team we've gone through so far, they didn't get better. They got worse. So did the Avalanche, so did the Wild. so did the Preds, so did all these other guys. Well, the Preds is to be determined. I think they got better on paper, but uh, it depends what their other guys do. But for the Blues, you need Jordan Cairo, you need uh, Robert Thomas to take that next step. I think the biggest thing hovering over this team right now is what the hell's going on with Vlad Tarasenko. This is a guy that wanted to get traded, still wants to get traded. He led your team in points. He's a pending UFA in a season. It just seems like they have unfinished business there. But the roster as currently constructed, I think, is a top three team in the central, but not one that I think could make it out of the second.
0: Yeah, I have no arguments or, or additions there. I think you're spot on. Um they definitely took a, a step backwards. I mean St. Louis always has a lot of success, no matter you know, no matter what. They're always kind of a team that's right there in the mix. So I expect nothing different from them, but I don't see them really pushing forward and being a contender or even being better than they were last year. So um that brings us to the final team in the alphabetical order of the central division. The Winnipeg Jets, free agents in big save, no, Big Dave saves. Big as Dave Save, them. thank you. Big Dave Saves. say it correctly? And then uh out. Yeah, that was their only real addition. Out. They lost Zach Sanford, Eric Comrie, and Paul Stasny. Of course, Paul Stasny hasn't signed anywhere. Notable re signings was Pierre Luc Dubois. I think that was a pretty good um. 13th hour signing right they kind of sounded like he was gonna maybe go elsewhere but they convinced him to stay yeah he took his qualifying offer and
1: this is a guy that looks like he wants out of Winnipeg and looks like he the the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation basically is going to overshadow their entire season he is going to be the storyline all the time Every day, they're going to be talking about him. Do you want to go to Montreal? Do you want to get traded? Because he's not going to re-sign there. It's going to be basically if the Flames had kept Matthew Kachuk after after what had kind of un- unraveled the season and unfolded with him basically confirming that he didn't want to re-sign there, it would be similar to if they kept Matthew Kachuk. That would have been the story every single freaking day around the Flames, and Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be that story around the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Paul Stasny and had some uh, very telling words in their last press conferences when their season ended about the leadership there and about, like, the commitment from the team. The Winnipeg Jets are a team that they they need a do-over. They need to start fresh. Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, their core, they, they got to start over. Um, Connor Hellebuck, we'll see what they want to do with him. I think Hellebuck's fine to stay if he wants to stay, depending on what kind of rebuild they go for. Uh, moral of the story this is not a team that I think is going to make the playoffs, which is kind of a bummer because last year this is was the team that I predicted to be second in the division. They had one out and got Brendan Dillon, I think Nate Schmidt. It looked like they had the pieces to be a good team, and it just kind of unraveled on them really quickly, and now it just looks like they need a do-over in terms of their core, their leadership, their voice. Uh, losing Paul Stastny is going to be tough, um, and the Pierre-Luc Dubois thing is really going to – uh, do a number on that team in the media and in every single media conference you can possibly think of. So Winnipeg, are they better? No. Are they worse? Maybe by a little bit, if at all, but I don't, I don't see them as a threat at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I threw their name in, um, when I brought up the, the wild card race, right. But it wasn't them. It was Vegas. Winnipeg was well out of it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. So it was it was Vegas, Vancouver that were duking it out, and Nashville edged them. But yeah, Winnipeg has has kind of been a, a pathetic excuse for a pretty decent hockey team yeah. the last few years, right? Yeah, um,
1: they they're the in, thing. They're in no man's land right now. They're. Too good to be a lottery team, and they're not good enough to, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're like the avalanche trading a bunch of things for Mikhail Bodker. Like, what are you doing? Pick a direction, either go this way <laughs> yeah. or make the yep. playoffs. So um, God, that was such a strange uh, deadline for the Avs. They traded for Bodker, they traded for Matthias. Uh, there was a couple of other moves. Eric Jelena, oh man, the Patrick Waugh days. But yeah, they're they're just they're stuck in that no man's land where you don't want to be. Either tear it down and get a good draft pick or get good and make the playoffs and they seem to think every year that they can get good and make the playoffs and then they don't and it comes crashing down so after that bubble year in the canadian division where they swept the edmonton oilers in the first round only to get swept by the montreal canadians they they just haven't haven't done anything since then and it looks like they they need a good refresher
0: Connor Hellebuck are his best days behind him I mean it feels like the last couple years we're we're, we've been waiting to see him reemerge as this former Vesna winner right and it kind of seems like on some days he's got it other days he's he's pretty off so where do you put Connor Hellebuck as his you know I guess where he's at in his career has he already peaked does he still have some game left in front of him?
1: So I'm going to answer your question in a very Arif way, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. So in 1718, he was 44, 11, and 9, and had a 9-24. In 1819, he was 34, 23, and 3, and he had a 9-13. And then in 2019-20, before COVID, he had a 31-21 and 5 record with a 9-22. He was a damn good goalie all three of those years. Well, in the Canadian Division year, he won 24 games out of 45. And he has a 916. And this past year he was 29, 27, and 10. So obviously he took a little bit of a dip. He was a 9-10 and had four shutouts. Moral of the story: on a bad team, Connor Hellebuck is still putting up 9-10 and 9-16 save percentages. Are his best days behind him? No. Are his best days with the Winnipeg Jets behind him? Yes. Connor Hellebuck would be far and away the biggest goalie name on the market if he was ever put on the market bigger than Jack Campbell bigger than Darcy Kemper bigger than Georgiev and a lot of these other guys that moved this past year that is a huge name that if he ever hits the market I would be fascinated to see what kind of market there is for him
0: yeah and I think you'd kind of be left with a jump ball and then I don't think you can really answer that question and say hey with a move he's going to get better he might, you know, kind of continue on this slowly downward trajectory that he's on. I don't know if he would get better. I think it would be worth a shot to see a change of scenery yeah. and see what it does for his game and what, for his morale. But I can't imagine what it would be like to spend an entire career in Winnipeg. So I yeah. think he's he's got to yeah. make a change and just enjoy uh, maybe a different city at some point.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the point that I'm making is like good goalies like Darcy Kemper playing on bad teams – that's the like. That's the explanation for like, yeah, he had an 899 and a 903, but he was on a bad team. Let's put him on a good team and see what happens to his numbers. What I'm trying to say is in two bad seasons with two bad teams, Connor Hellebuck put up a 910 and a 916. This is still a goalie that if you put him on a good team is a 925 or 930. Like he's still that good. He's not putting up bad numbers on a bad team. He's putting up respectable numbers on a bad team. So what the hell's going to happen if you put him on a playoff contender? What happens if you take Connor Hellebuck, pretend Darcy Kemper didn't sign there and put him on the Washington Capitals or put him on the Colorado Avalanche? You know, they were looking for a goalie this summer. Um, you know, if Darcy Kemper was a 920, what the hell are you going to get out of this guy? He's mm-hmm. two and a half years younger than Kemper. So that's kind of the way that I see it with him. Uh I think all signs in my brain point to one way or another, eventually he's going to end up at Toronto Maple Leaf because that team can never get their goaltending right, and they're going to end up trading one of their big names to get him. Um, that's I guess my just in my,
0: head, I, in my head, I can't forget, Well, I think it was last year right, when they had the Canadian division and Winnipeg lost to Edmonton, and you were just expecting Connor Hellebuck to steal one of those games or maybe a couple of those oh, no, games no, no, and you, he never was really able to. You was got it, it Montreal. Montreal, it was they Montreal.
1: swept Edmonton. And then got swept by Montreal. After and that was it, right, right, yeah. right, right.
0: And that's where you're like, all right, Hellebuck's gonna steal a game. It's just the Montreal Canadiens. Come on, and uh, it never. Came I don't to. know,
1: man. Montreal beat Vegas.
0: Montreal beat Toronto. That was such a strange playoffs. I don't weird. know. It was a weird, weird. season. <laughs> um. So yeah, Arif, I guess break down for everyone before we head out of here. The purpose of this exercise of running through everyone's free agents, if if they're still awake. Uh,
1: everybody in this division got worse. Uh, including the Avalanche, but I think the biggest thing is... I mean, I think the Nashville Predators legitimately got better, even if Duchesne doesn't score as many goals. But even with the Avalanche getting worse, when you look at this division... I think we did this exact same exercise 12 months Literally ago. Literally the, the way. exact same Holy thing. shit, yeah, we did do this last <laughs> last season. Last season we were all panicking because the Avalanche, you know, the fan base was panicking cuz he has lost Brandon Saad and they lost Philip Grubauer and they lost Giannis Donskoy and they lost so many names. They had to trade Ryan Graves and replace him with Ryan Murray and like all these things. But in the end, you looked around at the division, you're like, "Well, who's going to overtake them?" And that's kind of Everybody the same. Everybody else got worse yeah, too. Yeah, that's kind of the same idea here. It's like Yeah, you lost Burakovsky, that luxury of a good extra-scoring winger. Yeah, you'll probably lose Nazem Kadri. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, you lost a sure thing in a goalie in Darcy Kemper and replaced him with a mystery box. But the St. Louis Blues lost David Perron and their goaltending back, you know, their goaltending uh, insurance, we'll say. The Minnesota Wild lost their goaltending insurance and a point-per-game guy in Kevin Fiala. The... uh, Chicago Blackhawks lost literally everything and their lunch money. The Winnipeg Jets are on a downward spiral. The Nashville Predators added some good pieces in McDonough and Niederreiter, but if their top guys take a step back, they've lost some scoring prowess as well. So the Avalanche are the cream of the crop, and if we did this for two hours and went through the Pacific Division as well— um I don't know what team on that side that's going to be better than them either. The Edmonton Oilers, I think, are going to take a big step, uh, especially with having Jack Campbell in goal. The Vegas Golden Knights, I think, will rebound. How much of a rebound, I don't know. I don't consider them the same kind of uh, juggernaut that I thought they were 12 months ago. Um, the Calgary Flames, by the way, I still think are a good team. After our conversation last week, I've come to the conclusion that I truly, genuinely believe the Flames are still a great team. Uh, but... Who's going to take that step above the avalanche? It doesn't look like anybody else in this division or in the conference in general can really outmatch the avalanche right now unless Georgiev falls not just flat on his face but like way, way down and Frankie gets injured and I don't know, Jonas Johansson and Eustace Annen are duking it out for goalie time.
0: Um, yeah, no, I, I'm with it. I get it. I follow along. Um, I think that's all. Yeah, we got. I mean, this is our yearly.
1: This is our yearly reminder that the Avalanche are the best team in their division. But this year, we're doing it coming off a Stanley Cup championship for them, where it's a little bit easier to not panic.
0: Yeah, and I mean, looking back, Jonas Donskoy losing, Brandon Saad losing, Philip Grubauer. I feel like that stings a little less than losing Kadri, losing Burakovsky, lo- losing Kemper. But you got to have faith that the organization has a plan. They uh, have some. People that they can put into place and probably some moves still to make that we aren't even looking at. Yeah,
1: so losing Donskoy, we were all upset about that because he had a great season in 2021 and we're like, God, I hope they take JT Comfer only to come back and realize like JT Comfer is the better player. He's got the longer career ahead of him and he had an excellent season last year. Losing Saad was unfortunate because we're like, oh, who's going to play on that second line? Because if you lose Saad and Donskoy, well, now the Avalanche, maybe they got to go out and sign Thomas Tatar, not realizing, or maybe Alex Newhook gets a look, not realizing that Val Nachushkin was going to take a massive step in the right direction. Losing Ryan Graves, that's fine. You didn't realize that Bo Byron was going to be as good as he was. Taves was going to take that next step, and, and Josh Manson was going to fit in really well. So it's the same exact thing now. Losing Burakovsky, it's unfortunate. But in 12 months from now, we might be talking about Alex Newhook scoring 32 goals. And we're like, yeah, Berkey, see you later. We didn't need you. The young kid finally got his opportunity. Uh, Losing Kadri... He's got it in him. Yeah, exactly. Losing Kadri might be unfortunate as well. But again, Newhook, that might be the guy that you're like, hey, he finally... Or maybe Ben Myers takes a step as a centerman. Or maybe they sign somebody else or trade for somebody else. Maybe they end up with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Who the hell knows? Like, there's so many possibilities where in the moment it's it's easy to look at it and say it's tough but in hindsight you can always look at it and be like yeah it's actually not that bad Georgiev I mean it sucks to lose Kemper I understand people didn't like Kemper after the eye injury and his numbers but you have to remember the eye injury Georgiev might come out and and give you you know a 920 save percentage next year and, and be excellent he might suck we'll see we'll do this exercise again in 12 months and we'll see where it goes
0: <laughs> right on so yeah I guess here's a perfect place to uh put an end to the podcast so thanks everybody for hanging out with us this week we'll be back what's our plan of action here for recording
1: so I'm gonna be in Detroit in a few days for nine days and I am 100% packing my podcast equipment because I know Nasim Kadri is gonna sign as soon as I try to go on a little bit of a vacation uh but if he doesn't, we'll talk to you guys in the middle of August in two weeks. We'll take a week off.
0: Right on. Well, thanks for hanging out with us on this long one. If you made it this far on the podcast, def- you're definitely bless your pretty little offseason heart. Let's make hockey for everyone, guys. And we out you.